0: to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who's he's going to get his shit together because he can't live like this forever. You know, he's come too far. He don't want to fail. He's just got a new computer and a bright future in sales. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate.
1: Hola, Ben Hamin.
0: So for this episode, we have a special guest. Her most recent record is called "Change the Whole Thing." Please welcome to the podcast, Maggie Rose.
2: Well, hi guys.
0: How are you?
2: I'm I'm as good as one can be during these very interesting times, trying, but trying times,
0: right? Yes, it is. Yes, okay. it is. And in, in fact, i I usually try and use lyrics from our guests' um, songs or from the record that we're going to revisit, but. Since we're recording this a day after we got the news that uh, Adam Schlesinger, who's known mostly for his work in Fountains of Wayne, Ugh, passed I away know. from COVID-19 complications, so I had to do the uh, Bright Future in Sales uh, lyrics. Wayne kind of prompted me to do that. I was thinking about it, but uh, uh, thanks for the prompt, Wayne.
1: You are welcome.
0: Sad loss in the music Absolutely. world.
1: Absolutely. Terrible
0: so uh premise of our podcast is fairly simple we talk about music but as we do at the beginning of each podcast i ask the all-important question wayne what t-shirt are you wearing
1: i am trying to pull off red i got a new sonic youth uh, t-shirt it's very apropos it has a nurse and then the uh, her surgical mask says uh sonic youth
0: okay that's uh that's apropos yeah
2: wow that is highly appropriate
0: yes (laughs) how about you maggie what t-shirt are you wearing
2: so i was going to wear my vintage tour shirt from aretha franklin because of reasons you guys know for the album we've chosen to discuss today but it's a little chilly here so i have a grateful dead sweatshirt on okay And, and it's pink
0: uh, a pink Grateful Dead sweatshirt. A okay. Pink
2: Grateful Dead sweatshirt. It has a few distresses in it from a lot of wear and tear, but she's keeping me warm. So, very,
0: there, there And go. we were supposed to
2: play a show with Bob Weir last week in Jackson Hole. And <sighs> as we all know, that didn't happen. But uh, right. I'll wear the sweatshirt all week while I commiserate with everyone else.
0: Yeah. We're all, we're all confined to our homes. And yeah so i i get it um i am wearing i didn't take any thought to this so i'm wearing uh my prince purple rain t-shirt so
2: hey i like it
0: nice one has absolutely no ties whatsoever to your your music maggie or to um the record that we're going to talk about but you know i'd, I I'd like to
2: think that there's some Prince in there with my music
0: there you go <laughs> absolutely. i listened to a
2: lot of him he got in there somehow
0: Okay, perfect. So uh, when we recorded our Alanis set episode with Kaylee Shore, so she was doing a gig with you.
2: She was. We were down in Boca Raton. Those were the days.
0: So yeah, and had we known that you two were together, we should have totally had you on the episode as well. So what song from Jagged Little Pill would you have chosen as your top song?
2: Uh, you ought to know. Absolutely. Because because that's actually Kaylee and I performed that later that evening. Uh, we did a little bar set and we did a very broken down version of that. And we got all of the people drinking at the bar late night to sing with us, especially in that one part that, you know, really. Oh, yeah. It demands that crowd participata- participation.
0: So she she was saying that uh, I got to go because I need to go take shots with Maggie. <laughs> so so when you performed that song, how many shots had you uh, consumed at that point?
2: Well, that wasn't a scheduled performance that evening. So we had more shots and maybe it <coughs> would be advisable. However, we still managed to get a guitar in our hands and make lots of noise.
0: There you go. So
2: more shots than I would recommend to a professional musician. And we were vacating that position that evening i guess <laughs> maybe three shots of tequila per person and if you know kaylee she's pretty tiny so that's a substantial amount
0: yeah <laughs> is there For a video anywhere. of that anywhere is no, there thank, video thank anywhere
2: God, there's not.
0: <laughs> perfect <sighs> so so your last record changed the whole thing um so it felt like less of a country record and more of like an r blues record Is that, is that pretty accurate?
2: Yes. I think that that's an accurate description. And I was at that point, we've just finished uh, my forthcoming record down in Muscle Shoals, which is the birthplace of all sorts of music from Rolling Stones, Aretha Franklin and Wilson Pickett. And uh, of course the Allman brothers. So there's a lot of that blues rock, uh, vibe that I tried to borrow from Fame Studios down in Muscle Shoals, which has all that energy there. And Change the Little Thing was very much a stepping stone for me to get to that point. And we did it live with 13 to 16 musicians, depending on the track. No isolation booths, no splicing together of different takes. And it was a huge learning process for me. And I realized just uh, how strong the notes of R&B and soul are in my music and my voice and my friends in the room help me get to that place.
0: Yeah, it's it's great. I the title track is really great. Thank you. So, do you still kind of consider yourself a country artist? Because I I listened to your previous record as well, and I I still can't understand why "I Ain't Your Mama" wasn't a bigger charting song for you. Because that <laughs> that's a straight up awesome, like new country type of type of uh, type of song. And we we kind of touched on the the topic of gender and country music with Kaylee on her episode, and. That song came out in, what, 2013? Is that yes. Correct? Yeah. Correct. So was that you didn't get more country radio play because they were only playing like one female per hour, either Carrie or Miranda, and probably didn't have a whole lot of room for anyone else?
2: I think it's a culmination of things. I really had shit timing when it came to putting music out in the country music world, and um I don't consider myself... A country artist in the sense that I'm releasing my music to country radio, but of course I have those sensibilities in my history and just in my blood and as a songwriter, but I'm very much a soul singer. And I think we're more, we call ourselves American rock and soul because genre classification is so hard to put your finger on now, but that seems to encompass everything that we're offering now.
0: Yeah. That, that, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. Did, did I read correctly, you've played at the Opry over 50 times?
2: Yeah, we actually are approaching 70 when the world Whoa. resumes. We're going to get there. So, yeah, I need to update my bio, but if they keep asking me to go there, I'm going to show up.
0: So, with you playing at the Opry so often, w- why in the hell are they not getting you on country radio more often then?
2: I think it's... The Grand Ole Opry is such a longstanding institution. And over the last very recent years, they've gotten people who are booking, not only people who you're hearing on country radio, but folks like Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats and Marcus King, who I collaborated with for this album that we're going to put out later this year. And it's, it's more about Nashville music and that community of both emerging artists and established artists and, I think that it's its own little separate community. And the reason that it's been such a longstanding institution is because it's smart in incorporating everything that Nashville and Americana music has to offer, not just what's on your top 20 countdown on your local radio station.
0: Um, You want to you want to hear something hilarious. So um, let me skip a couple topics. Okay. So one thing that I discovered today was your Spotify playlist called Quarantine Jams. <laughs> and, I, and I was going to talk about a few of the artists. And I saw that you had Wildflowers and Wine from Marcus King. Yeah. Okay, You want to hear my notes? You want to hear my notes on this? I would love to. Okay. I wrote, I love his solo record. I would love to hear a duet of Marcus and Maggie.
2: Awesome. Well, we'll deliver that.
0: Okay, perfect. It's That's already great. in the
2: works. <laughs> Although when I say duet, I can't bring to the table the guitar playing chops that Marcus can, but yeah, he played on a few tracks. We wrote one song together and essentially that one song that we co-wrote, he's singing with me. And then a few others, he graced us with his musical gifts and lended his guitar tones to it.
0: I, I dig him so much.
2: He's uh, the oldest soul I've ever met. Do you know he's like 24 years old and he's like 107 yeah. in real life? <laughs> Redheaded kid from South Carolina.
0: Oh, he's great. He's he's great. All right. Well, let's get back in to you. my neighborhood too. Oh, does okay. he? Okay. I just saw right. him well, when
2: I went out for my walk.
0: Perfect. Okay. Well, I, I, sh- I finally shot uh, another email to his uh, management Team uh, last week and said, "Okay, we've now had three people on the podcast who told us we need to have Marcus King on our podcast. So um, I'm trying again. So,
2: hey, I'm sure you don't need the help, but I will grease that wheel for okay. you. Okay,
0: all right. Next time you see him when you're walking your dog or whatever, tell him. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> all right. Hey, by the way, yeah. So, so let's go back to your uh, your record for a minute. So. Uh, I got to tell you, my favorite song is "It's You." That song awesome. is so good. Where where'd you get kind of the inspiration to go all bluesy and and soul it up there?
2: I think with the live record, I knew that it would be completely unadulterated and nothing to hide behind. As far as effects go with the vocals, so I was like, "All right, let's do something where I'm just almost blood curdlingly." singing my ass off and do something about passion. I had just been married for right under a year. So, you know, I'm quarantined with my husband. I'm still very much into him and everything in that song is authentic and about gratitude. But I wrote it with two of my friends from Them Vibes who uh, makes up the backing band when I'm out on the road. And then another artist at my publishing company, Whistle. And it was just one of those magical moments where it's not a very cordially complicated song, but the six, eight time signature just gives you that old timey feel. And I think that uh, you can feel the emotion just because of the melody and the way it's structured. And I actually got to sing that for my little sister's first dance when she got married in September. And the Today Show just re-aired our performance of that last Tuesday.
0: I saw Because they're having
2: to go dip into their archives. And I'm happy that that's the song we chose to perform last year because I think it's a timeless-sounding song. And that's what we wanted to write when we sat down to write it that day.
0: Yeah. yeah speaking of timeless, so um, your cover of the The Letter... Is also great. Were you trying Thank to go? You. Were you trying to go Joe Cocker? or Were you trying to go Box Tops original version of that, or a little bit of a uh, little bit of both?
2: A little bit of both. I, I think that it's hard to deny that it doesn't lean a little bit more in the Joe Cocker direction. But my drummer is such a badass that she made it rhythmically very interesting in a way I hadn't heard it before. And a manager that I used to work with who's a terrific guy and was very much part of my story his father published that song so he had the letter which was covered by the box tops and joe cocker and then he also had you're always on my mind which was covered by elvis and really everybody yeah so he he was part of publishing royalty and taught me the value of a song when we were working together and that one just lingered in my mind and was it opportunity for this amazing band that i'd put together to really strut and show their ability and i think they nailed it and it feels like a very appropriate finale to the record as well
0: agreed yeah it's great thank you one suggestion so you have a song called Magic Man so Uh (laughs) you ever thought about doing a mashup of uh, the heart song Magic Man with your song
2: I went on tour with them last year Joan Jett and it was really hard for me to not go up to the Wilson sisters and propose that idea (laughs) Um, I still didn't do it but the temptation was certainly there
0: oh you should have done it Yeah,
2: I know. Right. And see, now I'm sitting here stuck in my house and (laughs) thinking of all the missed opportunities that I've left on the table.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get back out there eventually. (laughs) Uh, Jeez.
2: We better. It's going to start getting really weird. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, um, so let's go back to the quarantine jams playlist. So so I, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you your, your opinions of some of these songs. So, Um, you have dead flowers by the rolling stones on there.
2: Yes. So some of these were comical. Others were really just songs that I needed to listen to while pent up in my house. There you go. Um, that one was the kind that I needed to hear while just being pent up
0: in my house. Yeah.
2: Maybe it was a little dark, but it's kind of dark times.
0: (sighs) Yeah. So you, you also have emotional rescue on there.
2: Emotional rescue. This is a long playlist. I made it it probably while drinking some wine. So I can't attest to everything that's on that list, but (laughs) I was freely adding away.
0: So do you consider emotional rescue a disco song?
2: Um, Disco gets a disco gets a bad rap. I feel like just as a genre as a whole. And I think, yeah, there's elements there that would, uh, would,
1: Basically make it a disco song. Yes.
0: How about How about you, Wayne? Do you view Emotional Rescue as a disco song?
1: It's the, probably the best disco song ever. It's funny as I read the Keith Richards biography See, and he blames everything that went sideways a little bit on Mick Jagger. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, that's an easy way out, isn't it?
1: Yeah, if you're Keith Richards, it is.
2: I feel like people think the whole disco era was subpar music, but it, it wasn't. It's not just something you go listen to at Studio 54 if you have the right disco song, yeah, uh, well, it's something to get your heart rate up and get you dancing when you're stuck in your kitchen making the same meal that you've made the last five days in a row.
0: Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right, uh, you have a Temptations song, "Just My Imagination," on there.
2: Oh, uh, that's my favorite song. I think of all time, standalone song. Really, I remember one night things being kind of tough and just playing the vinyl of that and moving the needle back maybe 10 times and listening to it that many times in a row. I'm not sure why sonically just everything about it was right in that moment that I had to listen to it again and again and again.
0: Gotcha. I spent Saturday watching the, uh, the, the temptations mini series. So that was, uh, three, three and a half hours of, uh, of entertainment on saturday
2: oh i am writing that down because that is something to look forward to yeah
0: i mean it's old just keep in mind it's like from what late 90s wayne did you watch that before uh no i have not so it's it's late 90s do you remember leon the actor leon so he's in it and then um trying to remember who the other guy was db woodside he was in 24 oh. do, you, do you know who i'm talking about
1: i know i know who you're talking
0: about okay yeah so
2: we, we have some homework to do Wayne. yeah yes we got some shows to watch
0: and we have plenty of time to binge watch right now so.
2: i think we all have yeah. no excuse to catch up on the things we've been putting in our netflix queue for the last couple of years
0: um all right so back to your playlist you've got a bunch of tunes from wilco on there i was supposed to see them in a few weeks and it ain't gonna happen now so
2: yeah well i saw jeff tweedy's announcement about postponing uh, a couple shows and in fact he was supposed to be in chicago the same night as we were two weeks ago and his post was something to the effect of hey this is canceled." And I'm staying home because that's the easiest thing I've ever had to do to help save other people's lives. So stay the F home, right. everybody. Yeah. And I was like, you're right. If someone's asking me to go into the hospitals and do the work, that's that's a bigger demand than what we're all just being asked to do, which is yep, don't spread it yep. to people. It's very simple. We'll all go get our nails done and do our roots in a couple of weeks. We can handle it. People have way bigger problems than what we're talking I about.
0: Know, I know. I felt bad today because I've got, um, I had to go to Lowe's to get a sprinkler because some of my sprinkler uh, system is not working properly. And I felt bad just going out because I'm like, is this essential or is this, no, I really want to be able to emerge out of this with my grass grain. So
2: does your grass have to die on top of everything else? Exactly. I'm sure you're very conscientious about it. And you took some hand sanitizer and kept your distance. It's weird to go to the grocery store and have it feel like handmaid's tale where there's an announcement just repeating over and over <laughs> to stay six feet away from your neighbor shopper. I'm like, this is like loaves and fishes up in here. Oh,
0: who, who knew that uh, a Hulu series was going to be a uh, uh, prophetic, right?
2: Certainly didn't want that to be the case, no, but here we are.
0: No, all right, all right. Um, so we always ask our our guests their opinion of Toto's Africa as we transition from the interview questions to the record that you chose. So Toto's Africa, good or bad song?
2: I think it's great. I think it's great. We don't. Every song doesn't have to be some deeply prophetic lyric. And I feel like I remember driving to high school with a car full of girls every morning and Toto was on the playlist because it's just one of those songs that got your blood pumping. I like Weezer's version of it. Um, Do I wake up and brush my teeth to it every day? No, but I like Toto. And I like Rosanna, Hold the Line. I used to cover that song, so.
1: All right.
2: Hold the line.
1: Yeah. Love it. That's their best song, in my opinion.
2: It's a very good song, but you know, we'll we'll give it to him. It, it certainly stood the test of time somehow.
0: It has. Um, Wayne, just so you know, um, Maggie doesn't love it enough to put it on her playlist though. <laughs> I don't blame her.
2: Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> what what is what else is on this playlist? I need to see. It might be worthy.
0: Uh your your playlist you're the quarantine oh, my, my yeah,
2: it's yeah. not
0: it's not good enough to make that cut so
2: <laughs> yeah it didn't make that i didn't think that was really applicable to
0: <laughs> probably the, the
2: objective right now but i might after we're done with this i might just go scoot it on over there <laughs>
0: there we go celebration <laughs> all right
2: just for you wayne
0: yeah uh, wayne wayne or, wayne hates it yeah wayne i don't know oh, hate
1: hate it's a strong word I don't I don't think it's a great. I don't think it's a good song. I think it's it gets a lot of
0: D- Dude, it, dude, I edited the the episode where we talk about Toto's Africa. You hate the song.
1: Okay. I maybe I you know what? It comes back to me after you start badgering me. Okay.
2: I'll put it this way. <laughs> if I'm in my last 5 minutes of like a difficult Peloton ride and they throw on Toto, I'm probably going to duck out of the workout a little early. <laughs> There you go. It's not. It does that translate a little bit? Like I feel like it's a fine song, and Toto deserves all the cred they've got. But that song is a phenomenon. (laughs) I'll say.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, Maggie, tell tell our listeners what record you chose to revisit for this episode.
2: So I have chosen Tapestry by Carole King.
0: Perfect. What uh, were there some other choices? That you thought about or was this the one that you were like nope this is the one i'm doing
2: there were other choices because like you asking me to rank the songs on tapestry it's also very difficult to pick of all the songs all the records out there what my favorite one is sergeant pepper sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band is one of them rumors by fleetwood mac uh more beatles the white album but I think that for right now and the simplicity of Tapestry, it just feels really accessible to me as I'm trapped in my home without people that I can collaborate with to (laughs) hear it and hear someone who's just so vulnerable and uh, it's not all dressed up. It's not all perfectly shined. It's, It's just this really cool inside look to a great songwriter's perspective.
0: Yep. Absolutely. All right. Some So some bio info on this record. So this is the second studio album from Carole King. This was released in 1971. It was produced by mega producer Lou Adler. Uh, it's mm-hmm. one of the best-selling records of all time. 25 million copies have God. been sold worldwide of this. Don't see that anymore. No. Um Received four Grammy Awards in 1972, including Album of the Year. We'll talk about the the many singles and also the many uh, covers. Uh, I, I don't know. Do you call when you're singing your own song that was made popular by other people? Do, what do you call that? Can't really call it a cover. I, a loophole. A, a loophole?
2: I think that's a perfectly acceptable term for such... A not unprecedented but not an oft occurring yeah. thing, uh, I think it's just a, another version. I guess once someone has released it before, I write songs for other artists as well, and when I cover them, I try and show deference to the person that put them song out right. first. Uh, but Carol King is hard to top, so I, I'm so glad that she shared with us her interpretation of those songs that were made famous by other people.
0: Yep, absolutely. So we talk about the, uh, the Rolling Stone top 500 albums of all time frequently on this, on this podcast. So this ranked number 36 of all time, according to Rolling Stone.
2: Out of a thousand.
0: Out of 500. Or 500, yeah, 500. 500. Yeah. So the, yeah. Numbers. So it was just ahead of hotel, California. I'll I'll tell you the records that are just ahead of of tapestry. So number 35 is The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, <sighs> which uh Wayne and I have talked about one of the best. Oh. We've talked about doing Uh-oh. that episode how many times now?
1: I I I listen to that record probably once a month. <laughs>
0: I, lo- I You're love You're going to
2: need like I seven cups of coffee before that podcast. Yeah. Just to cover yeah. everything. There's
0: there's a lot there.
2: I almost wore that t-shirt Did tonight, you Okay. Actually. Yeah, but it's in my laundry because I wear it every <laughs> day.
0: Uh, and above that was music from B- Big Pink.
2: I don't even know that.
0: The band. The band. Oh,
2: the yeah. band, the band the, yeah. band, the band, the band.
0: Excuse me. Uh, the room. The Ramones thought- debut was at number 33 and then, uh, let it bleed by the stones. That's number 32. Wow. So It's good company.
2: Good. Carol King did something for herself yeah. there. with yeah. That record.
0: Absolutely. Um, so after tapestry, so Carol continued to churn out records at a pace of one a year through the seventies. Um, none were anywhere as successful as this record, of course. Um, which i i wonder does it does it sometimes pay to take time to release music
2: well yes is the simple answer for that and i think that that's what tapestry was for carol king it was a culmination of her entire life's work and creativity and her finally deciding that she wanted to be the presenter of that yeah. work and she was a reluctant artist and I think what I gravitate to this record for is that authenticity that was so effortless for her because she wasn't trying to be what other people were trying to be in that level of visibility or what have you. It just was her being herself and deciding that she would be the voice to get behind these songs.
0: Yeah. Can you guys name any songs outside of Tapestry from Carole King?
2: Um, I'm sure I could if I wasn't on the spot at the moment.
0: I put everybody on the spot. That's what I do. <laughs> Wayne?
1: Sadly, no, I can't. I'm sitting here trying, letting her stew, trying to trying to come up with something. I should have used my phone. Well,
2: she has a Broadway play that apparently was a catalyst for a few new originals, but I'll admit I haven't heard those either so yeah no my my answer is no you've stumped
0: me you guys don't know jazz man oh you don't remember that song yeah i remember that from the simpsons from the simpsons (laughs) oh my goodness what yeah that didn't help me at all
1: (laughs) Lisa, lisa simpson that was like her like her favorite song she played on her saxophone
2: oh saxophone lisa yeah yeah interesting she would know that lisa simpson typical lisa
0: yeah yeah okay um i'm trying to remember there was another one something about uh canaan back to canaan
2: she had that first album that she released just called writer yeah where i think she was very firmly establishing herself as just being in the writer role not the artist role right so she didn't want to go out and promote it so maybe that's why we don't know any of her other songs
0: yeah maybe um all right so i'm looking at here yeah been been to canaan that was off her off her Rhymes and Reasons record, yeah. But
2: all right, so I've just added that to my to do list. In go. addition to the Temptations <laughs> show, I'm going to go do a deep dive in all of Carol King's discography. D-
0: just keep in mind one one per year, and I'm not kidding. Throughout the 70s, there was one per year. Like she put out well, ten shows records. How
2: prolific she was! Yeah,
0: absolutely. Now I did try and listen to what did I try and listen to a couple of days ago? And I'm like, this isn't very good. Um it was fantasy from nineteen seventy-three. And yeah, it wasn't it wasn't good. But anyways, I'm sure there's some nuggets in all of those records from the seventies, but um yeah, that's that's a whole other podcast.
2: But reading about tapestry, Lou Adler was her publisher. Right. And the fact that like he knew the purity of her voice was what sold it, and that her demos, like within the industry were basically hits among those in the know uh was a testament to the fact that she didn't need a bunch of bells and whistles, and it's really hard to make a record sometimes and not hit that tipping point and go too far where you start to mess it up or muddy the sound by doing too much and Carol King definitely is charming because of what she has to offer in an unadulterated sense.
0: Now that you bring up the bells and whistles things, are are there any songs on this record that you feel like they overdid it on the production?
2: I think, I mean, the seventies were a crazy time, right?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: (laughs) I wasn't, I wasn't around, but, uh, there are no songs where I feel like you ever get to like that eye roll moment where you're like, okay, this is, too much of a flex for this song. I think her background singers are phenomenal. She's the star, but occasionally there's that, um, what is her name? Mary. Mary Clayton. Mary Clayton. Yes. She has that moment to shine on way over yonder, which is like the gospel song. And that's a cool vocal moment, but I think it's the accessibility of Carol's performance that made so many women and men hear it and just be like, Oh, this is my friend. Right. So I didn't feel that there was ever an issue of overproduction at any point. I think that's what's so masterful about this record.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll talk about some overproduction from somebody who did one of her songs as we go through this, but, uh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll save that for that song. So, all right. Uh, well, let's jump into it. Let's go track by track. um, So as a reminder, our scoring is going to be based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? 12. Which means top song is going to get 12 points. Next favorite, 11 on down to our lowest score of one. Let's kick it off. This is I feel the the
2: meanest thing anyone's (laughs) ever done to me.
0: (laughs) Uh, perfect. That's that's our goal. We we want our guests to tell us that we're the biggest jerks in the world for making <laughs> them do the scoring. So we we succeeded, and we didn't even get through any of the, the songs yet, Wayne. So that's that's like a first, right? Uh, that's the earliest it's come that out. That is now. the earliest. Yeah.
2: Hey, we're, you're you're helping us strive for excellence by critiquing the best out there. So
0: that's it. That's it. I All like right. it. All right, here's the first song. This is I Feel the Earth Move. And this song peaked at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. And that was back in 1971, as we, we said there. Remained number one for five consecutive weeks. Um, it was the A-side to Tapestry's first single. You guys know what the B-side was? Come on, Wayne. I think I even gave you my notes for this, didn't I?
2: I, I do. Say it. Will you, will you love me tomorrow?
0: No, actually, the B-side was it's too late.
2: Damn oh, it.
1: God, yeah. I knew
0: that. Yeah.
1: Foiled again. Damn it. Damn it, Fugate, you're better than that. And
2: I like how I was like, I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Billboard actually declared this record a double A-side in their charts. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So so it's generally listed in yeah, the books and articles that. that both I Feel the Earth Move and It's Too Late reach number one. That's kind of how Billboard looks at this. So uh, what do we like about this song?
1: This is a great opener. I think this is one of the big reasons that this record is so acclaimed. And it it's sexy and it's jazzy. There's this great uh, funky bass that's in it. Mm. Um, she really, she really opens up and kind of gets her, uh, she just takes off with the piano and it even goes back and forth with the guitar a little bit towards the end. And it's just a really fun up tempo song. And all that said, I feel like it's a bait and switch because none of the rest of the record is anything like this.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I don't, not in a bad way. I don't mean it in a bad way.
0: Oh, I just, okay.
1: it's weird. It's I, I just to open up with this. Cause it's a great opening number. This is like, I mean, I don't know what she opens her live shows with, but this would be a great one to start every show with. But the re- but for the record to be so soft rock, adult contemporary, very introspective, like emotional lyrics, and to start with something, because this, this song's sexy. I mean, some of these, ooh, baby, when I see your face, mellow as the month of May. There's something about a, uh, And you tenderly call my name and I know that emotions are something I just can't tame. So it's a, it's a super sexy, fun song.
0: Yeah. Maggie, what do you got on this?
2: Wayne, you took all of my talking points. That's what I love about this song is the abruptness of this intro, this like unapologetic, just all in sonically, The attitude is there. The confidence is there. And one thing that I know she's always struggled with is that confidence as a performer. So for her record where she's really focusing on herself as the narrator of all of this, to have that be the first message on the record is powerful. And yeah, it's jazzy. And when you read about what her influence was, I think she was reading like an Ernest Hemingway work and something about the, and I might be wrong on the author here, so check me, but it was, the language was saying when the earth moves, that's when people were making love. And she was just like, all right, I'll take that and modernize it and make it contemporary. And she did just that. And it's just, uh, there's no easing into what you're about to hear. Yeah. She wants to get everyone's full attention before she unrolls the rest of it.
0: Right. Yeah, Wayne. Um, you said this would be a good live opener. Um, I have one of her live records, and I'm looking at this track listing. She leaves this for one of her last songs. So hmm.
1: you yeah. could go Smart that way too. But if, if yeah, want to open the show, this is definitely a way to do it.
0: Yeah. Well, you 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 get people to stick around for the entire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I don't know if a lot of people are leaving the Carol King show. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well. She's- yeah. You would be you would be a fool to do that. Um, she ends she ended the, her set with "I feel the earth move," followed by "You make me feel like a natural woman." You've got a friend, and then locomotion. That's how she finished awesome. her set. That's that's a good that's a good uh, set closer, I would say. Um, all right, the only thing I've got to say on the lyrics is she talks about being mellow as the month of May. I get the feeling that this May is not going to be so mellow.
1: <laughs> this is not the May she was talking
0: about. No, she was not talking about 2020. All right. Let's...
2: I, I struggled with that adjective too, myself, upon reviewing the album for this. But <laughs> 70s were a better time, I guess.
0: Well, yeah, there was a lot of mellowing in the 70s, early 70s, that's for sure. All right.
2: Although I, I, I'm, I'm glad we're where we are right now.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's get some scores, Wayne. What you got?
1: Eleven. I love this song. Okay,
0: Maggie. Uh,
2: I have that as eight.
0: Okay, and this is my nine. And next song is "So Far Away."
3: so far away doesn't anybody stay in one place anymore it would be so fine to see your face at my door and it doesn't help to know you're so
0: And yeah. this recording features James Taylor on the acoustic guitar. So good, it is really good. Um, what do you guys have to say on this? I'm looking at this. This was, this was a single. This was this hit number fourteen on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, you guys know the Rod Stewart version from 1996.
1: Uh, it's not. I believe I've heard it. I. have Probably
2: heard it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That actually peaked better for for Rod. That peaked at number two on the adult. Rod's a
2: charming fellow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely hate that version. Um, all right. <laughs> uh, so what do you guys have to say about So Far Away?
2: All right. I'll, I'll go first, Wayne, so we don't steal all my talking points again. <laughs> I love this song. I think it's more of a personal connection to it, just being a touring musician, constantly feeling that tug of homesickness and missing my family and never being home. And my favorite part of that whole song is the bridge. Just she goes somewhere so refreshing in a musical sense and talks about how she has so much left to discover. And so lyrically, really, really love it. And I think that she brings the drama with the dynamics. She's a really good performer in the sense that she knows how to unfold a song in a way that really pulls people in.
0: Yeah. Wayne, what you got on this?
1: Um, This is much more representative of the whole album, but I'm coming off of a high and I'd always, those songs always hurt my score. And there's a line in about one more song about moving along the highway can't say much of anything that's new, and that really encapsulated the whole song for me Ooh, mm.
0: ouch okay
1: ah <laughs> uh, come on now it's uh it's not it's not as bad as it sounds because once again, you have to look at this in relative terms I mean this is these are twelve above above average songs, some of them oh, way 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 above average,
0: yeah. I I will say this about this song. So this this definitely has a very seventies type of formula to it, Um, and you know I said uh, I listened to a couple other Carol King records uh, this week. I listened to her follow up music that has Sweet Seasons, and it's going to take some time, which was uh, a hit by the Carpenters. That those. Definitely have a very '70s percussion feel to it, and so I had to look this up. So Russ Kunkel is on, yeah on the percussion. what a badass oh awesome legend Ooh. legend legend. So I'd make
2: out with him for sure.
0: <laughs> He's probably eighty right now, though. Well, I
2: would still still
0: okay. All right, <laughs> um, stand behind my right right but uh yeah so 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 russ definitely has that formula to to it um and again if you're looking for that little moment in in time um that the song is definitely it for for the 70s right yeah all right so so wayne um i'm gonna guess that you didn't like this song as much as maggie and i what's your score
1: I gave it a five. It it just, once again, growing up in the seventies, I've heard, I, there was only a couple songs on here that I would say I have never heard. Even the ones that were not singles, you heard them. And this is the one that was, it's the prototype adult, contemporary, easy listening, soft rock seventies song that I heard 500 million times. All
0: right. And this is why it's my 11 because, well, we've, we've talked about this on other episodes of, my, my parents and I don't share the same musical tastes. However, I stole my dad's t- tapestry cassette tape when I went to college. And, um, so this, this definitely reminds me of that time and I'm okay with that, which is why I give it an 11 Wayne.
2: God, I love that. It's,
0: and then Maggie, what's your score?
2: So I'm at a nine for this song. Um, I don't have the context that you all have, which I feel like would definitely color my opinion of the song as well. But are you laughing at me saying that?
0: No, Is that my I, gentle way no, of saying
2: that I wasn't
0: around? Right. That was your gentle way of saying, man, you guys are old. <laughs> you guys are old.
2: You are wise. That's what I'm saying. You are.
0: Uh, perfect. And,
2: and like, there are songs that I hear incessantly right now on certain platforms that I feel like are at a disadvantage because of how often I hear them. But for me, this song is just so spot on when I feel homesick or we're on a long run and I'm ready to get back. I just want to write something that's as pure as this song, because I feel like with just an acoustic guitar and those lyrics and melody, you could really convey something that resonates with people. Yeah. But the production is stellar in my opinion.
0: Absolutely all right
2: so yeah that's that's up there with nine for me
0: cool cool all right next song it's too late
3: stayed in bed all morning just to pass the time there's something wrong here there can be no denying one of us is changing
0: I already gave you a little bit of the the info on, on this. Um, so this one's interesting because Carol wrote the music, but Tony Stern provided the lyrics. And um, Tony Stern, so this is a quote that, that uh, I got off of the interwebs here, is Tony said that she wrote the lyrics in a single day after her love affair with James Taylor ended. Whew. There you go. Uh, the recording won a Grammy Award for Record of the Year in 1972, and it would also be included in Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time, which I didn't check to see where it landed. Um, guys want to hear the other nominees for Grammy Award Record of the Year in 1972?
2: Yeah. You, you guys can tell absolutely. me if,
0: if this deserved it or not. All right. Here we go. You've Got a Friend by James Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's one of them uh the theme from shaft from isaac case
2: okay yeah joy joy stuff.
0: to the world by three dog night and my sweet lord by george harrison those are okay. some good those are some yeah that's some timeless solid, songs. solid yeah.
2: contenders right there
0: yeah because like, sometimes when I'm looking at the the old Grammy Award nominations and I'm like, really? That got nominated? Right. Because like, I don't even remember that song. But all five of these songs are like.
2: Wait till they look back on our contemporaries right now. <sighs>
0: um, that's a whole other podcast episode as well, Maggie. Yeah. I'll
2: talk to you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a hater. There's a lot of beauty out there. But that's some good music that you just named off.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Year. Absolutely.
2: Let's go there again.
0: Right. So I'm just going to throw this out. This is my favorite song on the record. Uh, oh my goodness! It. And when I got Wayne's score, making I was me like, start to sweat a little bit over here. No, 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 no. You're 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 good, man. You're good. <laughs> uh, but Wayne and I are usually not in sync with our scores, our top scores or our lowest scores, and. Um, This episode has brought us together, Wayne.
1: I can't believe it. I'm
0: so
2: happy that I could be a conduit for such a reunion.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. Why do do you like this song?
1: Um, Part of it's personal, but also it's uh, the concept in general. Um, Even though the song makes it seem seamless, like we understand that, you know what, we we tried and it didn't work. It never goes like that. It's always on the other side of a, a... bloody and emotionally bloody uh, and bitter breakup but mm-hmm. she leaves that out uh, but the piano's a little bit darker and there's still this this funkiness to it and in her vocals you can hear this person that's not happy but she's okay with you know at least we know we tried and and like I say at the end it'll wanders towards it wanders into smooth jazz for a second but she's able to rein it in and pull it back out before the end
0: okay. Maggie, what do you got on this?
1: I'm
2: I'm with Wayne on a lot of the production sides of it. I think that like the sentiment behind it is very unique, and it's a perspective that's super mature, and that maybe not a lot of teenagers would click with. <laughs> uh, they're going to be more along the lines of "Screw you, get out of my life forever," and this is a mature look at a. Uh, relationship in the rear view. And I love the bridge. There's a line where she says something to the effect of, I'm thankful that I loved you at all, that I felt that. And I think that that's a pretty cool sentiment to put into a song. Yeah. And the fact that she had a lyricist write the lyrics, and it was sort of like a Bernie in. Elton John kind of scenario where she was able to just see those lyrics and have that guide her to the music she came up with is really exciting to me
0: yeah yeah all right so I already said this is my top score Wayne
1: Uh, this is my top score very personal song and uh, I I feel like I've gotten to that mature part that that uh, she was referencing and this is my favorite song
0: and Maggie
2: (laughs) mine's a seven for this but I will tell you just my disclaimer is that between five and seven it's very muddy and hairy and i don't know what's going on so (laughs) i'm gonna give it seven because you guys are making me pick it's like sophie's choice over here i know
0: i know um
2: but yeah seven all right very difficult i resent you for this
0: (laughs) (laughs) our work is done then all right uh (laughs) next song home again
3: Sometimes I wonder if I'm ever going to make it home again. It's so far and out of sight. I really need someone to talk to. And nobody else knows how to comfort me tonight.
0: Wayne, what you got on this one?
1: So the scores on this got very difficult after the, there was only one song on here that I would say, if I had to say I didn't like, if I was a gun to my head, I would say I don't like. The rest of them, it's really tough. They're great songs. This one somehow rose up and I can't, I have to put it on one word and it's marrow. Ooh. The way she uses it, it's so, it's yeah. such a poetic word. Like the first time I ever heard it used in, in, in like that, it poetically was something by Keats, but that word is so, it's just so powerful. And for her to choose that, cause it's not a common word. And she could have gone with something that, that sounded more normal or cliche. And she, she stuck to this one word and it say, it made this whole song just come together for me.
0: Okay. And Maggie, how about how about you? What uh, what about this song?
2: All right, so again, I'll say that this album is perfection in my mind, but it is my least favorite song of the whole record because I'm a melody-driven singer and writer, and for me, this melody is the least sticky of all of them in the sense that like I go around my house singing most of these other songs on a daily basis without even thinking about it. And home again is not one that comes to mind often. Um, But that really redemptive (laughs) phrase that Wayne's talking about with Mara, where it just gets to your bones, to the absolute center of it. It was so poetic and cool that she could, conjure a word that was just so perfect for that feeling. And there's so few lyrics in this song too, that she chose her words very carefully. And that's one that I think she probably ruminated on for a
1: second. Yeah. And one thing that I want to point out that is also amazing is the contrast she puts around it. Cause the lead up lines are snow is cold and rain is wet. Right. Right. Like, and then she just like, it's just this haymaker out of nowhere. I mean, the stuff that's inside your bones with, I mean, it makes up who you are and it's all this other figurative stuff that goes along with marrow. It's just brilliant.
2: All right. I'm re I'm questioning everything now. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, Wayne, what's your score? Eight. And this is my six and Maggie. One. It's okay. You can say it. it's so good.
2: It's my one on an album that I'm going to listen to, and this is over again.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. All right, next song, Beautiful. You
3: get up every morning with a smile on your face and show the world all the love in your heart. Then people gonna treat you better. You're gonna find, yes, you will, that you're beautiful. I've got nothing to do but watch the passers mirrored in their faces. I see frustration.
0: Wayne, what you got on beautiful?
1: Well, I think one of the things I liked about it, and I like about her in general, when she sings it, um, some of these songs could be could get sappy, and this one even could get kind of Pollyanna, you know, overly. But it's not the way she sings it; it doesn't come off like it's beautiful. Everything's going to be right. You got to go out there and face the day. It's almost like she's looking in the mirror, psyching herself up, <laughs> yes. and it it it's. And, and when you, and it's, it's just, when you do it that way, it's much more relatable and it's much more realistic. And like, she's capturing feelings that we all have. Cause I'm not a super positive guy. I don't just look at, I don't just look at people and go, Hey, yeah, everything's beautiful. Everything's going to be great. Isn't it? It's, it's, it's sometimes a struggle. And I think she, she's able to capture that struggle.
0: Yeah. I always try and find, figure out what Wayne's lowest score is going to be. And I I was going to say that this was going to be your least favorite, just because the even the first line of "You got to get up every morning with a smile on your face." I can see Wayne listening to this record going, "Don't tell me what to do." <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's she's, she's It's not so simple. It's like you know what you need to. You got to get out there anyway. Um, you got to never let them see you sweat. You got to fight for everything. Like I say, I, pl- I treat everybody like they're out to get me. And so you got to have that little bit of that, you know, it's going to, we're going to go out, we're going to do it today. We're, gonna, it's almost like that. Uh, what was that SNL skit with that guy? Uh, Al Franken playing. Stuart oh, Smith. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a beauty. You're good. You're good you're, enough.
0: You're good enough. She's, you're she's smart, smart enough. enough.
1: You're smart yeah.
2: enough. I make self-affirmation.
1: Yeah. yeah, she's she's riding that train, telling herself she's going to do it. It's going to be a great day.
0: So this is not her saying "kill them with kindness." She, this is her saying, "Look, you got to get out in the world anyway, so p- just put a smile on your face." Yeah, we're going to just make them think you're up to something. Fake it till you make it. Is that kind of what she's saying?
1: Yeah, I, I say she's. It's like I say, the struggle is real. It's it has this real. Uh, this real sense of we're, we're gonna we can do this we're it's gonna be great we're gonna everything's gonna be fine yeah. even though you're riding a subway you know across town in the morning with probably all kinds of interesting people
0: yeah yeah all right Maggie what do you got on this song
2: I love that I love that I feel like it is just even the way the music sounds you got to get up in the morning it's like she is shaking you out of your bed and telling you to do the work. It's a choice to be positive. And also the best part of the whole lyric to me is, you're as beautiful as you feel. So what you put out there, you're gonna get back. And I think that she digs in with her performance and it's its a less restrained performance than you hear from her on most of the rest of the record. Yeah. Like there's something that's a little frustrated in her delivery of the song that I think makes it really powerful and puts the onus on the listener to make the best of their day.
0: There you go. All right. Let's get some scores on this. Maggie, what's your score?
2: So that's a six for me.
0: All right. Wayne.
2: And that was very difficult.
0: (laughs) Oh oh yeah. Seven. All right. This is my three. Cause right now I don't feel very positive.
2: (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) We're with you.
0: Ask me again when this this crap is all over. I may I may have a different score for this song. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, next song. Way over yonder. this song was as high as my eight at one point during the week and it slipped a lot. Um, Me too. Yeah. I think I have adult dull sunny
2: disposition reasons. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I have adult ADD too. Cause um, the two times that I listened to the song this week. So right after I went and listened to the Billy Bragg and Wilco and Natalie Merchant song yeah. way over yonder in the minor key
2: writing that down on my list of things to view.
0: Oh my gosh it's so good um, and that's that was my adult ADD like I didn't even finish the song uh, the Carol King song because I wanted to hear that song instead. Um, this quarantine stuff is not good for my mental health. Um, <laughs> all right uh, didn't we already talked about Mary Clayton appearing on this record so this is her first appearance um, and she's great. The background vocals on this song are great. She's a rock star. She's great. Um, What do you guys have on Way Over Yonder? Either one.
2: I'll go. I have a as a five. I think it's like an amazing gospel tune. It's very inspiring. It's something that I would like to have played at my funeral. (laughs) Okay. I guess Uh, it's about looking to a brighter something. It's about aspiration and hope. And I feel like the way that she let Mary Clayton shine a little bit as a singer on this was a welcome respite yeah. from what are considered to be more accessible vocals from Carol King.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wayne. Two things. I, I was just going to say, did, did she just explain why this is a lower score for you?
1: No. Um, Two things. Number one is that it always felt like it was a song because she started writing songs for other people and it almost had a feeling like I could totally hear Aretha Franklin doing that. For sure. And so I could never get past that. And then there's a part where the sax comes in at the end, which... It's Never, sound, it I makes it, it sound exactly like the song they play at the end of Saturday Night Live. I don't know if it is, but once that got in my head, then the, then I could hear it through the whole way.
2: To me, that that component kind of dates the song just a little bit. But what's wrong with being of the times, right?
0: Yeah. I, I knew the sax was going to get in your head. I knew it. <laughs> um, all right. Let's get some scores. Wayne, what do you got?
1: I give it a 2.
0: All right, this is my 4 and then Maggie 5. All right. And this is where we would flip the record over. It's
2: like pulling my fingernails out, you know. I
0: know. <laughs> I know. I know it is. It's, all it's good. almost over. It's all good. We just got one no, more but side. So I'm to really go.
2: enjoying my time with you. How do I say that it's like pulling my fingers out, but fingernails out but enjoying my time.
0: But in a good way. All good. All right. Uh, You've Got a Friend, it's the next song. of course we all know the James Taylor version uh yeah he won a grammy for this um that w- and he reached number 1 in 1971 with his version of this and what's interesting is i don't this is total totally the 70s of people putting out the same record or the same song on their respective records like James and carol both did it. Do you guys, do you guys like the James version better or the carol version better?
1: Oh, absolutely not. I like this version much better. I think James Taylor is, he is the epitome of easy listening 70 soft rock to me. Um, to me, the biggest difference in this in, is how, how important a piano can be like the piano makes this song sound so different when really the, re- the, mo- the majority of the arrangements fairly similar, but one is a c- guitar based and one is piano based and the piano just gives it this darkness and this uh, like a real, like it just makes it feel realer, more real. I guess we'll do that.
0: More real. Okay. Maggie, how about you? What do you like about this song?
2: So I collaborate with my friends who also make their own music and I write shit for them, vice versa. And I feel like they are very two different things. However, if I were to listen to one version more than the other, it would be carols just because she wrote it. And this is one of those prime examples of it actually mattering when the artist writes a song. And I love James Taylor and I think he does a beautiful job with this, but This is a songwriter's song and whoever presents it should be the person who wrote it in my opinion, but I love their friendship and the fact that they collaborate the way that they do. And they have the grace to be so generous with one another about those songs that they're writing together. But she's, she's my go-to version.
0: Okay. Um, all right. So what's your score?
2: Mine is 10. Okay.
0: Okay. and mine's a five, and you can tell that I don't write songs because I'm more familiar with James's version, and I like his version better. So
2: I can not tell that you don't write songs. James Taylor is a <laughs> fantastic songwriter. What are you
0: talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, he's uh, giving away
2: millions of songs to other people.
0: Oh, I was talking about I've I'm not a songwriter,
2: but James Taylor. Yes. Is, yes, I hear what I you're know, saying. I know. But, I know you you matter you matter damn it
0: <laughs> uh, Wayne what's your score uh, six all right next song is where you lead I will be Watch Gilmore Girls? No. Uh, my wife did.
2: Sorry, I said that so fast.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no. My my wife did, and um, about once a year, she binge, watch, binge watches the entire series, and this is the theme song, and it comes up in my house probably a hundred times every year. So I'm so damn tired of it.
2: Um, Oh, I had no idea.
0: I probably really liked this song 12 to 13 years ago. And now I just, I don't like it. Um, This is another one that uh, she got uh, lyricist Tony Stern to to, to write the lyrics on. Uh, This was actually a top 40 hit for Barbra Streisand, not for Carole King. So there you go. Barbara. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, collectively, this is one of our lowest songs. And yeah. and I have my reasons. What are your reasons? I hate it because of I heard it. I've heard it so many <laughs> because times.
2: Because I'm a woman and where you lead, I will follow is not my MO. So <laughs> I mean, I love Carol. I think that this was part of her burgeoning artistry actualization where she was like, Oh, I am the presenter and I don't necessarily believe that this is something that she embodies where you lead. I will follow. Cause I think Carol King is a bad bitch. She's going to do what she wants on her own, but it's a great melody. And I imagine that in a live setting, it would be super fun to watch and very compelling to see with all the BGVs and everything. But no, it's not my favorite song on the record. Because yeah. of the message <laughs>
0: behind right. it, right?
1: How
0: about you, Wayne?
1: I was one of those ones that I also felt like, and I didn't know that Barbara Streisand had done it. I didn't. I, the name that kept popping in my head was Dionne Warwick, or even Aretha again. But this is the one that felt a little bit overproduced. There was there's feel like there was a lot going on. I believe it was based on some sort of a biblical tale, which always turns me off.
2: Mm, me too.
0: Well, then listen to the updated version she does with her daughter for Gilmore Girls. That is overproduced.
2: No, (laughs) thank you. I'll just keep enjoying this record right here.
0: Okay, there we go. All right, what's everybody's score? Mine's a two. Wayne? Three. And Maggie? Two. Okay.
2: And that being said, I love you, Carol. (laughs) (laughs)
0: This is so hard. All right. Next song will you will you love me tomorrow All right. Uh, So when you sigh like this, you have to go first in your uh, analysis. Go, Maggie.
2: It's my favorite song on the record. Okay. Uh, It's because there's a vulnerability that was very, very innovative at the time. People were coming out of uh, darkness and the war was still going on and all these idealistic ideas that they had about society coming together and having peace wasn't happening. So people started looking inward and she was the first one who did that. And with, will you love me tomorrow? It's about the inadequacy of not meeting the standards of whoever she's with to be long-term or that companionship and being lonely and just the piano and the sparse production
1: kills me. I love
0: it. Wayne, what you got?
1: I am I couldn't agree more in fact. One thing that I actually thought when they put the two when they when she brings in Joni Mitchell and Ooh. James Taylor, yeah. I feel like this should I feel like this would really make the hair on the back of your arm stand up if it was just her and a piano. Right. I think because at first I will say this, my first impressions quickly going through the album and knowing that this song was a, was a hit that she wrote, you know, 10 or 11 years before for the Shirelles. I thought it came off to me initially as narcissism. Like I'm Carol King. I wrote, will you love me tomorrow? And then as I listened to it a, a couple of times, the version is so different that it almost had a feeling of this is maybe more how she may have imagined it if she did it herself, which she finally had the opportunity to do. And but just like you say, the stark nature of it all. And I think she even, it, I think it was even too much. The acoustic guitar and James Taylor and Joni Mitchell, I think you could take them out, and this song would stand unbelievably on its own with just Carol King and her
0: piano.
2: Everything you said, times two, amen. I love it.
0: Well, you said amen, so I'm not adding anything to this. Go, <laughs> no, no, so. no, go.
2: no, there's no amen. No, no Wayne, I- you're not getting out of this.
0: No, I, I, I can't, I can't add anything to this. So, um, so no. Maggie, you, no, I can't, I can't, this is you're just,
2: cheating. A, you're cheating. You have to add something. Just one. All thing. right.
0: All right. I echo your sentiments that this, she makes this song her own. Like the Shirelles version is fantastic, which was recorded. Yeah. What 1960, that was a number one hit for, for them but she makes this song her own. And that's, and that's hard to have like two really unique versions of any song out there.
2: Especially imagine the pressure of having had a massive hit. Right. And then just like Wayne said, not having the balls, but like the humility to be like, okay, let me tell you where I came from when I wrote this. Yep. Just insurmountable pressure. I probably wouldn't have done it myself, uh, because I wouldn't have been brave enough. But I hope that when that opportunity presents itself, if it does, God willing, I do. <laughs> Someone cut my song and it's a massive hit. I hope that I cut it.
0: Right. Right. Exactly.
2: And what do we call that? A loophole?
0: A loophole. Loophole. Okay. That's that's what, what Wayne calling. called it earlier. That's, yeah. You, you, you are you trademarking that?
1: No, not with, I'm not that. Not without no. your consent. It's free, it's okay. free for everybody. It's, it's free. It's okay. Free for the world.
0: All right, Uh Maggie. So what's your score on this?
1: Twelve.
0: Wayne. Nine. And this is my eight. All right. Next, next song is Smackwater Jack. Yeah, smack. So, I teased earlier about um, maybe someone else did a little extra overproduction. Do you guys know the Quincy Jones version?
1: No, no. No, I've just found out about it
0: today. Go check it out. It's great. Uh, he actually named his 1971 album Smackwater Jack.
2: Wow. After the, song. Who's the artist again for the people in the back
0: Quincy Jones.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Quincy Jones. All right. So, um, has a very Papa was a Rolling Stone vibe. So going back to the whole Temptations thing that we talked about earlier, um, lots more. thought
1: this came off, came off. This is the best Jim Croce song that Jim Croce didn't write. (laughs) And and I, and I don't say that as an insult because I absolutely love Jim Croce, (laughs) But if, if he had written this, it wouldn't be one of his best songs, but it doesn't fit. That's my only thing that I I like it as a song. I mean, and like I say, in that Jim Croce style, it's, it's got that sense of humor, but she doesn't go enough on the characters like, uh-huh. like he would. But to me, the only thing, because it doesn't fit, it doesn't make any sense. And all I could come up with is she's trying to show a little love to Jerry Goffin because he's a song, part songwriter on this, going to get some publishing. Her maybe, ex-husband. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe she, maybe they had a maybe deal. I don't the, know, but some this thing alimony didn't make bit. any sense. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I think this was a deal. I think this was a backdoor deal maybe because it, it doesn't make any sense. It was, it doesn't make any sense. All
2: right, let's just, I'll just take it from here. <laughs> I'm with you. I feel like this is like some out of this whole album. I love this song. However, what are we talking about? Her entire record has been about her. The entire thing, not one third person song, the entire album. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm hearing about some guy with a shotgun. <laughs> what? Yeah. I came here for your stories. <laughs> I did not come here for Smackwater Jack and the lynching mob that was after him. I don't like them. I don't want to hear about them. You're interrupting my pleasant experience. That's what I have to say.
0: You're making so, me feel bad for my high score now.
2: No, really. I yeah. I, I am cool. very critical of your high score.
0: Absolutely. This is
2: not a safe space.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm giving this a higher score because I like the fact that she did something a little bit different on this record. And she was like, she was like, you know, I've got all, I've got all of these other, you know, real mellow type 70 songs. Um, I'm going to throw one that somebody like Quincy Jones is going to want to end up redoing and naming an album off of. So that's that's why I I give it a little bit higher score just because I I like the ballsiness of that.
1: Your logic is flawed, sir. Yeah, but might be. I, I just it just doesn't make any sense. Like I say, I I I agree with Maggie. There's this album has it's it's it is her and it's her her songs and her stories and this one
2: no just no I renew sound... on everything I said because I will also be listening to this with headphones on and just be like. Oh, I love that we're taking a departure from her own. Like, see, I'm very fickle.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, this is my 10, so you guys can can villainize wow. me now. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Four. I will still say four. All
0: right. And I Wayne, say four also. Because I
2: think, Wayne, we have to compose a proper album, okay?
1: Okay. All right. I think it could have been done without this.
2: Exactly. I think it was just for her ex-husband.
1: That's there's, there's the only thing that makes any
0: sense.
2: Don't repeat that, except put it on your podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect. All right. Next song, Tapestry. along the rutted
3: road. He sat down. into someone's wicked spell and I wept to see him suffer though I didn't know him well as I watched in sorrow there suddenly appeared a figure gray and ghostly beneath the flowing beard in times of deepest darkness I've seen him now my tapestry's unraveling.
0: He's this is the one song on the record that I've I I've been so looking forward to talking I, to you guys about this. I always forget about this song. Which which it's is genius. really which is really strange because look, typically people are going to name their record off of one of the better songs on the record. So why is this not why is the record called Tapestry? This is not...
2: You better make your title track bomb.
1: Yeah. I, this, I, this one did and in the I'm, wrong direction.
2: I, this song to me is her trying to lean into the psychedelia that was going on in the 60s and 70s. Okay. And I feel like she was... And she is a very like out there kind of gypsy human being. But when I listen to this, I'm just like, oh, she... Reads tarot cards, and like that's who she is. She sees someone with a flowing beard and a tapestry. And I feel like it's a metaphor for life and death and memories. And the ambiguity is what we, you and I are talking about on this podcast right now mm-hmm. is that she didn't write something that was actually concrete and made sense. It's for us to speculate about.
0: Yeah, but it's not even it's not even the lyrics for me that is, like, nondescript or...
2: It's all the modulations. Not, it's hard. Not, not it's memorable. It's music mathy. It's like Rush.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. That's why I wouldn't like this song. Um,
2: yeah, it's very Rushy. <laughs> and I still love her because it shows us that she's a badass, but not my cup of tea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wayne, haven't heard from you on this one.
1: Oh, this was the one that I would say that i don't like um, and it sounds overtly religious but i think it is a metaphor and and I, at the end where the the figure with the gray ghostly beneath the flowing beard and uh and he's dressed in black so i'm assuming he it where it has a it has a lot of religious connotations or it feels like but I don't it think just think
2: it's religious as much as just like the passage of time It's the Grim Reaper. It's her tapestry, her life of all these different yarns that's been woven together, all these different experiences, people she's met, something that can unwind and then like you die. And it's a very (laughs) – I don't mean to get too weird about it, but (laughs) it's just her being that 70s chick being like, I have to write a song about psychedelia.
0: Right. Yeah. And –
2: that's what I feel like she did.
0: Yep. All right. This is my least favorite, Wayne.
1: Uh, this is my least favorite.
0: And then Maggie.
2: Your girl's at number three, so. All
0: right.
2: One of my least favorites too.
0: Yeah. This is this was cumulatively this was our lowest score. Um. All right. It's
2: still a great song if you listen to it in sequence. It makes the album. You have to talk about sequence, guys. It's like
0: Oh oh we talk about sequencing all the time on this podcast. Um, yeah, I know
2: you do. I listen.
0: Oh <laughs> fantastic. All right. All right. I'm a
2: fan. Okay.
0: Love it. Um,
2: Hi, I'm Maggie Rose and I'm a fan of Records Revisited.
0: I'm totally using that as a sound clip. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's wrap this up. Here's last song. This is You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman.
3: was so unkind your love was the key to my peace of mind cuz you make me feel you make me feel you make
0: me feel like home and of course everybody knows the Aretha version
2: Same reason for what Wayne just said. Oh, no, you tell us the trivia. Uh,
0: I was just going to tell you the trivia. So uh, where do you think this peaked on the Billboard Hot 100 for Aretha? I thought number one. (laughs) Nope. Number eight in
1: 1967. No! it was
0: and it and it didn't even top the R&B chart. It was a number 2 hit for her on the R&B.
2: Who's laughing now?
0: Everyone yeah. knows this song. Everyone knows this song. I should have went back and looked at the chart to see what was number 1 on that day because I bet it was something like I don't know, Herman's Hermits or something like that. <laughs> um all right. Uh you guys know the, the 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 story of of how the song got written.
2: Tell
0: us. All right. So I I stole this from the internet, so it may or may not be true.
2: (laughs) Everything on the internet is
0: true. Absolutely. So Jerry Wexler, who is the Atlantic Records co-owner. So this was, yeah, this was in his autobiography. Uh, He said, uh, it said that he was a student of African-American musical culture. He'd been mulling over the concept of the natural man when he drove by Carol King and Jerry Goffin on the streets of New York. He shouted out to her that he wanted a natural woman song for Aretha Franklin's next album. So Jerry and Carol went home, wrote that song that night. And in thanks to uh, Jerry giving them the idea, Goffin and King granted Wexler a co-writing credit. So he, he has a co-writing credit on this song. There you go. There's
2: Wexler just because of that has a co-writing credit. Yeah. No, that's not okay. (laughs) That's not okay. Uh... Who? That's. Up. No, come on guys. That's up. That is not okay.
0: Something tells me that there's hey, I, more to that, like, that story.
2: Not- you me in the movie kids tomorrow you'll be in the movies. Yeah. Give me a natural woman song.
0: Yep. Some, like, something something in the 30s. Something tells me there's more to that story which we which probably includes the mafia. Um, <laughs> all right. What what do you guys have to say about Carol's version?
2: Amazing. Yes. I think the same thing that Wayne said earlier about uh, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow yeah. is the fact that she had the balls to record this song that it had already been made famous by one of the best vocalists ever.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah.
2: she did her own version of it. But this one is just like the sparseness again draws me in. It makes me feel like I'm in someone's living room who wrote the song and I get to hear the origins of a song that's been made worldwide famous from the person who created it. So it's worth recording.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have, I had the same feelings uh, originally, like with will you still love me tomorrow is, you know, cause Aretha Franklin owns this. I mean, you, and how do you compete with that? But it's ballsy to say, you know what, I'm Carol King and I wrote this song and to try to take it back a little bit as much as you can. So one in that in that sense, I was like, this is extremely brave because I mean, and because Aretha Franklin kills everything, like just ask Otis Redding, like you can't everything she does. <laughs> you, you, once she's done it, it's, it's that, you know, like I've said about Elvis, Cos- you know, she might, I mean, she almost has got to feel like Nick Lowe after Elvis Costello did what's so funny about peace, love and understanding. I'm never going to do that again. And yet she, she, she plays yeah, it pretty, she pr- plays it really close to her version. And I feel there was just a sense it had this real confidence about, you know what? I wrote this song and I'm going to, I want, I want everybody to know it and, Maybe I don't outdo Aretha Franklin. Nobody does out, Areth, outdo Aretha Franklin, but I'm Carol King and I wrote this song and I'm going to make sure everybody knows it.
2: But I, Yeah, exactly. And there should be some bravado behind being that spark that made a song so famous. I, I feel like people want to hear from the people who were the originators of an idea that made the whole world fall in love and be like,
3: oh, yeah, man.
2: Like, as a woman, I listened to that today in 2020, and I'm just yeah. like, what the shit? Here we are. <laughs> Can you hear my husband making a drink in the background?
0: <laughs> All good. All good.
2: <laughs> We're having a good time in quarantines.
0: So let's get some scores on this and wrap this up. Maggie? 11. Wayne? 10. And this is my 7. And I feel really bad about it.
2: No, don't no. <laughs> I was
0: I was I was just looking. I was so I was looking at this. If um if I would have give if I would have given this my ten instead of Smackwater Jack, this would have tied for our top score.
2: Yeah, that's where you f- <laughs> up is Smackwater
0: Jack. <laughs> you f-
2: uh, ben, I think you really. That's, I did. That's where you screwed yourself
0: yeah and i I will
2: admit everyone listening to this wonderful podcast that between five and eight i i was like a blind a blind baby i didn't know what i was doing
0: it's hard yeah we get how
2: to rank it what to do i had to call my mom
0: (laughs) all right well this is usually the part where i go um Did we cover everything? Did we miss anything?
2: So everyone, we're doing virtual concerts every Friday. We're trying to do something that's within the guidelines of the warnings everyone's telling us to heed. However, we have new music that we've just recorded with some folks from Alabama Shakes down at Muscle Shoals and Fame. Nice. We're going to send that to you guys, of course, and to all of your listeners who want to hear it because we're going to put a single out in a month because people need music, damn it. And we have to, yeah, we do We have to resume with life and keep being creative. And everyone who's watching those memes, telling them that they have to like come out with a quarantine body. that You have to relax and sleep because we have a battle ahead of us. And this is the time to rest and be creative and just enjoy it.
0: Absolutely. There you go. Here, here. Appreciate that. All right, let's do our top five based off of our score. So any guesses, number number one score?
1: Will you still love me?
2: Yeah.
0: Mm, that was number two. It's too late. You've got a friend. You. It's too late. It's that too was,
2: late is our number one?
0: That was because Wayne and I both picked that as our top. Um, all right, so that's our top. Number two, will you will you love me tomorrow? We've got a tie for third, which is you make me feel like a natural woman, and I feel the earth move. And our top five is rounded out with so far away. Um, you've got a friend missed out. Damn. Sorry, sorry, Maggie.
2: Oh, I'm I'm gonna go cry now. <laughs>
0: um okay are you gonna listen to the carol king version or the james taylor version while you're crying
2: uh both on two different record players
0: there you go okay maggie this was fun you guys are so awesome
2: i love you guys thank you so much fun highlight of my quarantine uh can Um, we what was the other thing on our checklist we had to talk about
0: for another um, podcast yeah, the last the last thing is uh, oh the, the
2: Grammys, the Grammys, yeah, yes, let's, yeah. Check, let's talk about it.
0: We got to check that out, so we'll 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 check that out.
2: We'll check that out. Check check check. Just check it out.
0: All right, last question. So, who do you know that I don't know who'd want to join us on this podcast to revisit one of their favorite records? And you can't say Kay- can't say Kaylee because she's already been on. Bill Murray. <laughs> you know Bill Murray. Yes. Really, let's do it. Will he do it?
2: Um, I don't know. We were supposed to go do (laughs) his Caddyshack thing with him next month, or it's April now,
0: so this month, this month, yeah.
2: Please bleep out all the f words because my mom is going (laughs) to listen to this, and I'm just my (laughs) husband has been pouring me wine since I've been doing this, and I'm getting more and more sad about the state of our union and our world.
0: So I usually do. We, we have a uh, clown car horn edit for the F bombs. You okay with, with me I'm, doing I'm that? I'm okay
2: with that, but maybe you can just like fully splice out certain.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we can do that I'm as well. I'm
2: just No, no, no. You don't have to do that. Just splice that. out the F bombs for my mom. I'm going to talk to Bill Murray about getting him on this. Okay. I'm gonna, we're gonna work on it. Because All next right. week I was supposed to be doing our Caddy Shack event that we do with him every year. And last year he gave me a piggyback ride to the after party. His brother busted his head on a speaker. Oh no. So with that, I'll tell you the rest of the story next time we get together. Okay.
0: Okay. Perfect. All <laughs> right. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Please go support the arts during this this downtime. Uh, this is usually where I say go to a live show. Um, you can still do that. <laughs> go to go to a live Instagram show, a Facebook live show. Buy a t-shirt of the band. Buy a record. Damn it, go buy a record. And buy it. we we are records revisited, and we are out, out.
2: together. Right.
0: <laughs> that was that, that was actually yeah, that as. Was close.
2: No, that's terrible. What are you talking about?
0: That's as close as we usually get.